Welcome to Box Up Banter, where we were almost traded to the Celtics, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Okamura. Joining me as always is Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? I love starting off the podcast with Boston slander and almost <laughs> and almost jokes. Oh, it's so it's it's a uh, what is it? What is the phrase? Groundhog Day every year. And Danny Ainge is Danny Ainge is just uh, close to a. You know, it's just so, oh, so close to getting that prized uh, trade, you know, that prized player and just falls short. But he was in the sweepstakes. He just wants you to know. Yeah, he just wants you to know that he was in the race. Yeah, Yeah, he was almost in the race to acquire this podcast, like Chris said. But, you know, (laughs) talks fell through. We went in a different direction. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of trades, before we get into your because i know you got a question you want to ask i, do. I, have, a fun I have to say for the for the listener uh i you'll you'll know uh in the future i am a huge 49er fan and so speaking of trades we made a big trade this weekend it is yeah, basically absolutely. the trade that's signaling we're ready to draft the franchise guy the franchise quarterback this is one of those as a fan uh, I'm just saying this now for the podcast. As a fan of the 49ers, third generation Niner fan, been going to games since I was eight years old. My grandpa was a season ticket holder. There's a whole deal about that. But uh, the Niners are very big in my family. And for the first time in my life, this is like one of those uh, fork in the road franchise moments where we traded literally a lot of capital to move up in a very quarterback heavy, heavy uh, yeah. draft class. And let me just say, I have watched like one and a half games of Mac Jones, but I swear to God, if we draft Mac Jones, I will throw up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in, in that reality, is just my early draft take right in now. Reality, in reality, you're, you're, you're getting Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields. It's which more looking like, it's more, it's looking like Lance and Fields, unless the Jets really, really just break character for the draft, but I want Fields. Lance would be fine too, but both of those guys fit the mold of athletic modern quarterback that, you know, played in a Shanahan similar style offense. Right. Mac Jones just seems like a Matt Ryan 2.0, which is a very good player, by the way, a very good player, but not the athleticism required and also just doesn't. We just need a, a more pop. And every time I watch Mac Jones highlights compared to Justin Fields highlights, I'm just like, can we please take Fields? This is like 2017 again, where I was like, we should take Deshaun Watson. And then we end up drafting drafting a fucking defensive lineman. But uh, those are my early NFL draft takes on the B.O.B. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I've been taking a look, too. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I'm of the belief that the Jets should trade down. I still am a fan of, of Sam Darnold, but I just think they need to give him any kind of help whatsoever. Um, yeah, but. I wonder how b- bad Darnold is myself because you know the Jets were just poorly ran. Um, I do like the new coaching staff they brought in. You know, half of it's forty former Forty ers so uh, I think they're in good hands. But yeah, I, I I still kind of believe in Darnold a little bit myself. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I just think when when he's had time and a decent amount of weapons, he's been solid. It's just a matter of he can't stay upright, and I I, I have a feeling he's going to end up like Dar- like David Carr, where David Carr is a talented quarterback, but he got hit more than any quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> 
And I, I always felt so bad just watching him get destroyed every week. Yeah, um, right. But uh, yeah, uh, going going uh, back enough, to enough football. What's your basketball question? Going to yeah, the basketball club. I do like to start with a fun question, and I got this one from uh, sort of talking about uh, watching Laker games with uh, THT, where I don't know if you've watched a lot of Laker games. THT has the longest arms of any player I've ever seen. Um, and so it makes it interesting watching him have, like, he has some really crafty layup packages and, like, some really crafty ways of, like, around the basket stuff. Um, and it makes him really fun to watch. And yeah. so it got me thinking about what other players, because we talk about dunks all the time and, like, greatest dunkers and all that stuff. But sometimes layups are even more fun to watch. Uh, and so favorite guys, like, layup packages that you like. Guys that stand out to you. Like Kyrie came to mind right away of like a guy that yeah. I love to practice. I would um, I would say Kyrie's right there. Um Steph. Steph comes up right away too. Steph, Steph comes to mind, although he doesn't attack the rim as much as those other guys do. The other guys I'm about to mention. So like Kyrie. I think Allen Iverson has a pretty underrated layup package, even though mostly we think of him as, you know, this little cannonball that gets fouled all the time and you know, was powering through three people. He had a pretty finesse layup game, even though he was also a fiercely athletic point guard. Um, mm-hmm. I also think uh, Derek Rose was a was another. Oh yeah, yeah, early Derek Rose. Uh, I remember one of the. I remember I was watching uh, the. I was watching a Bulls Heat game. I think it was on ABC. It was when Mike Tarico was calling it, and I still go back on YouTube and I watch the highlights. But uh, this was like the year after Derrick Rose won the MVP before he tore his ACL. It was like his the the season after. He was taking his game to another level and he was the Bulls were playing the Heat and Derrick Rose, you know, got was on a fast break, took the ball in transition against Prime LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Both jumped up contesting the shot and Derrick Rose like contorted his body in such a way that he was under the rim and stretched his arm back out towards the rim and like put some English on it and finished right through LeBron and Wade. And that it was some of the most insane stuff I've ever seen. I also think early Dwayne Wade was also another one of my prime prime Dwayne Wade before all the injuries, like right after Shaq, the the time between Shaq and between LeBron or the injuries that Mm. D Wade was so special. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, yeah, that version of D Wade was was insane um i also think even early uh Dwayne wade even with shack i remember you know the playoff runs they'd have and uh you know the obviously he had a- acrobatic finishes and then the one in the eastern conference finals against the pistons i remember he like flipped over i think he flipped over ben wallace or rip hamilton but like he was basically flat on his back and did like an acrobatic and one it was like a big moment in the game too those are probably the three that's st- I'm sure I'm missing plenty of others, but if you're talking about on the spot, I think of, you know, Allen Iverson, of course, Kyrie and uh, yeah, probably early Derek Rose. Yeah. So like just thinking about it, I was like the, like you're saying the obvious ones come out, like Dr. J comes to mind right away. Even though he's a dunker, he comes like, he has some beautiful layups. Oh yeah. Uh, um, even like even like Jordan, Jordan had some great ones. George Gervin. One, my favorite Jordan one. one is the one against the Nets where he flew through four people in the air. <laughs> yeah, like Jordan and, uh, has some yeah. beautiful ones. The mm-hmm. but the one that, the one that kind of stuck out to me where I 
I watched it, and something that you don't think about when you watch him, it's Zion. Zion has some crafty stuff around the basket. Even though he's powering through, he has some finesse. And he always goes back to his left hand. That's the other thing. (laughs) But the thing is, like, it's the way that he goes to his left hand. Yeah. Where, like, the ways that he gets there are so... The angles that he finishes with, too, where he takes off from. Yeah. And you don't think that a guy of that size should be able to contort in the way that he does. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he does. And it's it's really fun to watch. Um, It's just the the fact that he's just really huge and absurdly athletic he can like take off at certain spots too where other guys just wouldn't think of taking off and he can like do his swoop in for a layup like through the air it's wild yeah absolutely um but yeah i i got i like fell down this rabbit hole last earlier this week of just like watching layups <laughs> I, was like, I was like where are the layup videos and so i was like as, trying to as find one them. does yeah and you know because Again, I was watching THT, and again, THT just long ass arms, right, reaching around people, laying up, hugging people, hugging three people at once, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you're just like, man, I guess like the to me, these are these are a lot of these are more skillful than the dunks, um, right? But yeah, no, yeah, there are definitely layups that are like way more, you know, aesthetically pleasing than the uh, than the normal dunk, you know. But yeah, um, I guess let's jump right into this trade deadline. Yeah, this craziness that kind happened. of a kind of a sneaky fun um, trade deadline. So I, I think I think me and you were both on Twitter at the same time, tweeting out about this stuff uh, the the kind of hours before the deadline. And uh, I the first thing I do want to talk about was the the Kyle Lowry uh, no trade. <laughs> that, oh yeah, that was the most weird uh, <laughs> like weird thing i've ever seen where i think me and you were both tweeting like where's he gonna go where's this gonna happen oh the the raptors just made space like they're gonna trade for it yeah pieces. they're making roster space what's happening and... <laughs> and then i and then it was like all right deadline's passed we're gonna see in a couple minutes where he went and then it came out that the raptors are <laughs> <keeping> <laughs> right. I went, all of this for nothing like you saw Bobby Bobby Marks tweet like now remember guys you know deals can still go through as long as they're on the trade call past the deadline or whatever so I'm yeah. like okay maybe the Kyle Lowry deal will will uh, break through around this time it was like 305 nothing 310 nothing and it was like okay what what the hell and then Woj tweeted that uh the Raptors were keeping Lowry like it was, it was weird it was weird because you know the weeks leading up to it Kyle Lowry sounded like he was going to get traded like no matter where I'm going I'll, I'll always yeah. be a Raptor Nick Nurse, I'll retire Nick Nurse Raptor. Had, like this emotional talk yeah the podium. and then the ga- the literally the ga- the the game before the deadline on Wednesday or whatever Lowry was playing he walked off and you know gave a deuces to the camera it was like a final interview he gave like a final press like a zoom availability after the game it, it was all very weird and it, I was like okay he's got to be gone and no apparently <laughs> he's staying and I, I guess part of it was Masai felt like he was going to get more for Lowry and look <clears throat> I want to just say something, and I brought this up on my other podcast, because I saw a little bit of Raptors Twitter and Bucks Twitter, you know, even Bucks Twitter, uh, I was surprised. They were kind of going after my guy Daryl Morey a little bit. They were they were saying, oh, you know, oh, he didn't pull the trigger for Harden, even though it's been reported 50 billion times that it was the owner, more than anything, that had a beef with Daryl, um, yeah. obviously. Um, and then 
you know, oh, you know, he needs to, you know, step it up if he wants to pay for Lowry. Look, I think Lowry would have made the Sixers, you know, a contender in the same tier as Brooklyn um, for this year. But I think to put it, somebody put it succinctly on Twitter. Um, basically, the Sixers have the best record in the Eastern Conference still, by the way, without Joel Embiid, a top three MVP candidate which they have. They have an MVP candidate, the best record in the East, and the possible defensive player of the year in Ben Simmons. And we need to start acting like it. Maybe they didn't need to make a deal. Maybe they felt like, hey, we, I think there's merit to saying, hey, let's roll with this squad. And not over... You know, and Lowry, the overpay probably would have been worth it this year if you won a championship. But would it be worth it in the long run for a rental who wants a contract extension after that? For a 35-year-old point guard who, yes, has been really productive still and still a really great player, but takes a lot of punishment is, you know, the way he's built, will that last? You know, I I kind of don't blame the Sixers for not going for him or the yeah. Lakers. They, were, they just asked for a lot. And I think, like, it was a thing where, yeah. for, well, from a, like, from a Lakers perspective, they're asking for two starters and our best young asset, which for a point guard as old as Lowry in his last year, I don't think that's worth it, considering that we have Schroeder, who I don't think is a huge downgrade, or even I, don't, I think that's a pretty lateral move, and they're also on a one-year contract. Wait, from Lowry to Schroeder? Well, I, again, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a big enough upgrade to warrant another starter and a younger guy. Okay, all right. I, okay, Again, I one for one, yeah, totally. But but yeah. I'm saying like, given given Schroeder, I don't think it's Schroeder on top of yeah, like, up top of the other KCP stuff. and THT as like making it worth the Lowry deal. Yeah, I don't think I, that's. I feel really, you. You know, and I, again, I think I think the tie up with you guys was Maxi, right? Yeah, the the tie up was so I the tie up. Well, I guess the alleged package was. Picks Danny Green, Maxi, and Thibel. I would have been fine with Maxi. I would have had to grit my teeth with Danny Green, but I would have been fine with it because he was an expiring. And you know, I would have been have fine you, with have giving. Have you fallen in love with Danny Green? It's not that I never was falling in love with Danny. <laughs> or, or it doesn't. It wasn't a matter of love or not love. It's just sometimes in the in a game when he you know decides for some reason that he could dribble past a closeout and take a bullshit floater in crunch time. I get mad, but uh, <laughs> he's been he's been great for us all year. I will fully admit uh, that, and he has hit big shots for us. You know, <laughs> he hit a big shot against the yeah. Lakers. Oh yeah. Well, it's not just the Lakers. He's hit big shots for us in other games. So, yeah. you know, I I have I love everything about Danny Green. Like, <laughs> but just the ill-timed decisions even though they piss me off. But I would have been fine giving up Maxi Green and a, and a few draft picks for Kyle Lowry. But then it got to Maxi and then it got to other stuff too and it just uh, there, there's just merit with keeping your team together. Also, the Lakers really didn't need Lowry either, considering that even if you guys fall to the six or the dreaded play-in game, you guys should have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And if they are, is well, in Anthony Davis's case, if he's 80, it, it'll depend if he's 85, 90, 95%. It depends on the percentage. But if they're both there, you guys are the favorites anyway. And then what was who was the other team? Miami was in the running Hero, too. Hero was the... Uh... Hero was the tie-up there because they and wanted Hero Robinson. Hero was the tie-up, yeah. Yeah, Robinson and Hero, but they were willing to give up Robinson, not Hero. 
Yeah, which, you know, I guess I kind of get, I also think Tyler Hero's starting to get a little overrated, uh, in yeah. my opinion. I think he's, I think he's going to be a good offensive player, but the way he's being held in regard as an offensive player is already is kind of bonkers to me. I, it, it's a classic case of somebody starting to peak a little too early. Not that Tyler Hero's peaking, but you get what I'm saying, like yeah. a little too much already. And you, it's the Josh the Richardson ceiling, syndrome. And yeah, and the ceiling gets altered to a, or morphs into a different beast than what we probably originally thought. But uh, yeah, yeah, we talked I about don't, last week with Josh Richardson. It's the same thing. Yeah. And so uh, I don't I don't blame the Heat at all. The Heat, anyway, just were, were able to go to plan B with by literally giving up nothing. And getting yeah. Victor Oladipo, which we should talk about later. But just going back to Lowry real quick, um, I think it. I mean, I, I'm kind of glad he's staying with the Raptors too. It would have sucked uh, just from like an aesthetic and entertainment perspective. It just would have sucked to see him, you know, with fans coming back in and stuff like that. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been right for Lowry to just you know be sent off like that with no, not in front of the Raptor fans. He's the greatest Raptor in franchise history, obviously. Um, but um. Yeah, I just don't think te- I think teams were it was one of those things where I would have understood it if a team did it, but I also don't think it wasn't as horrible as people make it out to be that teams also just decided to and pat because they like their team, yeah. which is reasonable. Again, well, Lakers Twitter has been ablaze, of course, cuz we have the most reactionary fan base ever. Yep. And so, you know, calling for Vogel's job, saying to get in line. <laughs> saying THT is trash and I don't know why we kept him and he's a bum and it's like well guys we're losing and we're playing bad teams because we just lost two first team all NBA guys can we chill yeah there's not a yeah that's what happened it's funny that's what happens (laughs) when you lose those two guys not creation not my favorite favorite comment my favorite comment and I see it everywhere is oh what happened to the Lakers great depth why can't we carry through this stretch? And I was like, bro, great depth only helps you when you don't lose both of your superstars. <laughs> <the same time." laughs> so yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, where's that depth? You can't, well, you can't cover the hole that's left by LeBron fucking James. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony fucking Davis. Oh no, wait, where's your guy? Where's that vaunted depth <laughs> you guys had? <laughs> so stupid, man. Yeah, it's a, uh... It's it's amazing when you when you get to like obviously we're 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 in different circles where we see where you know the people that we're following and interacting with are a little different. But when you go and when you dive into like the casual NBA fan waters, it's a scary place, man. Yeah, um, yeah, and I and yeah, it's true. And I hate you know doing the whole casual thing because I think we could all benefit from you know spreading knowledge and yeah, you know, absolutely. Even talk, but like, yeah, there's just sometimes you're just like, all right, dude. Like, <laughs> and I feel I feel like um if this podcast was hosted by, but just real quickly, if this podcast was hosted, uh, co-hosted by a Bucks fan and a Kings fan, I feel like they'd be saying like we have the worst NBA Twitter fan bases ever. <laughs> true. I feel like every every fan base has the worst Twitter. There are some that are bad though, like Utah, for example. I I I think they are the worst actually. Now that I think about it, but anyway. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it's funny just to like this happened. I I commented on something. This happened months ago, where I commented on something that you posted, and then a guy came after me, and I was like, 
you don't know what you, you completely misread my statement. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was the your uh, stuff about Ben Simmons, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I remember. I remember. I think this, you yeah. said something. You said something like my stock on on Embiid has been like is high is high or whatever. And then I was like, I don't understand how people ever put Ben Simmons over Embiid. And then yeah, and he I, took that really weirdly. <laughs> he took it as like I'm shitting on Ben Simmons, and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is praise for MB. <laughs> yeah, like, no, like, this, yeah, because I remember early, like, before the season started, there was a few people that I follow that I very, I very much respect their basketball acumen that suggested that maybe Embiid should be thrown into the Harden trade instead of Simmons. Yes. And I'm just like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it was. That, that, that was, that, that was so it. Yeah, that, that was it. I was mainly talking about that, and you replied to me, and you were just like, yeah, like, what the fuck, <laughs> basically? <laughs> like, Embiid, it, like, clearly you take Embiid over Simmons. Yeah. And, like, even with the injury history, like, you, yeah. anytime you have a Tier 1 franchise player, you – you, you know, you take that guy, like, as much as I love Ben Simmons. But, yeah, I remember that very well. I have, yeah, I have your back, though. B.O.B. hosts have each other's like, back. It was something like, uh, it was something something to, to the lines of, like, you know, I don't understand why people put Embiid in, like, over, or Ben Simmons over Embiid. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, it's pretty obvious you put you take Embiid. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. They're like they like went after me for like the benefit. Yeah, we got a straggler like, and come into the replies. <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, you completely misread my comment. I don't understand. Um dude, yeah. okay. We should before we go, we can't go any longer without um talking about the Houston Rockets and <laughs> how they got uh, absolutely nothing. What's up? How they got absolutely nothing. Yeah. How they got <laughs> how they got absolutely so basically uh yeah i have a theory on this by the way okay uh give me give me your theory i have i have the i'm i'm totally if this is true and i'm in my head canon this is totally true and this is what i'm going with because it's the only thing that makes sense to me that fertita is just being petty and he's just gonna feed all other eastern teams to stop maury and harden from getting to the finals (laughs) i mean Sure, because you know the best thing to do is to just run a business out of one hundred percent spite. Bro, right? Have you ever met a, Have you ever met rich people? Uh, you can't say I've run into too many rich people. I know what their egos are like, though. But it's just—I guarantee you, this is something that's gone through someone's head. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. But uh, let me let me in summary. I have the tweet in front of me. Yes. So the Rockets traded James Harden way back when, got all the Nets, you know, picks and, you know, Victor Oladipo, et cetera, et cetera. They turned all that. So the final return is Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, Dante Exum, Rodion's Kuru, who's probably not going to play. Um, Dante Exum, by the way, is never healthy. Same with Avery Bradley. And then, of course, all the late first-round picks and swaps from the Nets and uh, the other teams. in that 14 deal is absolute shit (laughs) is basically (laughs) what i'm trying to say here this is one of the worst returns i have ever seen yeah for a superstar in our lifetimes i'm I'm almost 30 so this is definitely the worst for me i'm so confused as to like what because we're before the season even started when when these were talks 
I was like, dude, mm-hmm. I would take Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Spencer DeWitty over any other like package over the Ben Simmons one. I would take that package. And they did. But then they flipped in they flipped Jared Allen and Karis well, LeVert. No. Into they, had, they had the chance to get Karis LeVert to Jared Allen, but then the Cavs swooped in for the four team yeah. trade. Yeah. And they didn't. But, and Yeah, so like they well remember they had the they had a chance to and they decided no, we want Oladipo instead. And then I was like, yeah. I don't like it, mm-hmm. but like, okay, I guess I understand. Oladipo has not been good this year. No. And then and then they flip him to, for garbage. And I'm like, why? You could have just had Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, who, by the way, is playing really, really well. Yeah. Um, by the way, I di- I I remember I dis I disagreed with you. Um, I would have just taken Ben Simmons. They could yeah. they could have had Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Let's just start there. They could have had that, and that would have been fine. They could have also yeah. just flipped them. They they were movable assets. Even if you didn't want to pay Jared Allen, you could at least flip him at the deadline. Say you will you flip him later to the Cavs since you know that the Cavs have interest in Jared Allen at that point, right? And then you could flip Karis LeVert even. They could have had Ben Simmons too, which is a blue chip top 15 player. And yeah. they if could have just... Trade, if you're going to trade him later, you could have just had him instead of Victor Oladipo. Yeah. But no, because Tillman Fertitta wanted to run his franchise out of spite. And I don't know how much blame I put on GM Raphael Stone. Um, I I have to give him some blame for this too, because this is the James Harden trade. But they could have just had Ben Simmons or they just could have had Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. But now they just get absolutely nothing. I also think, sadly enough, I think this might have been one of the few offers the Rockets got for Oladipo. Because remember, the I don't know if you remember the line of reporting leaning up to the trade deadline, but Woj was saying, like, the Rockets are in constant talks. You know, hey, guys, it's, it seemed like the Rockets were just saying, hey, guys, look, we're trading Victor Oladipo. Look at the talks we're having. Yeah. You know, early first-round pick, eh, eh? And it just sounded like the Rockets were the ones, you know. Like trying to get someone to bite. Yeah, trying to get someone to bite. And it was just like, I don't think Oladipo – is getting that much attraction right now because he's been hurt. He's been terrible this year. He's 28. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, I think the Rockets even offered him that extension. I think they knew they were going to trade Victor Oladipo and they were both going to say no, but that was just to show face. Um, So they offered him the extension. Oladipo turned it down. Like there just wasn't that much for Victor Oladipo. And conversely, that's all the Rockets could get. But that doesn't matter. It They should have seen that coming. And also, they could have just taken Karis LeVert or Jared Allen or Ben Simmons. Like, it's, yeah. ter- it's but, terrible, man. And then, and then it gets into the thing, too, of like, yeah, like, the Rockets just felt like they're on NBA Tinder just swiping right on everything, just hoping they get a match, right? Yeah. Like, it just... It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's so weird to look at. I know it's a weird analogy. Uh, <laughs> no i got it i followed you i followed you and like it's so it's so weird to see like how low they sold yeah because at a certain point you'd have to think like because it's the same thing with the raptors where they were like okay we didn't hit what we wanted for kyle lowry cool we can like wait and then maybe do a sign and trade at the end of the year yeah where you can still do a sign and trade with victor oladipo if you keep him and that might have paid off more Mm-hmm. 
I yeah, you could have. You could have. Well, it also depends because you know the Rockets were on just a spectacular losing streak, and I mean spectacular in like the opposite way. I guess it was just it was a spectacle, <laughs> like the way they the way they were playing. Um, I it, like I wonder if Oladipo would have been fine with staying past the trade deadline, or if he would have performed. You know, but yeah, that could have been a better option for the Rockets. That also just. At the time, everybody was saying, like, look, you have two great packages, right? At least at the very least, no matter which one you would take, you have two packages in front of you. You could take the Nets package with Lavert and Allen and all these boatloads of picks, whatever. Or you could have had Ben Simmons, Player X, and a few picks, and Ben Simmons being the blue chip guy out of everything. And they chose Dorsey, which is nothing, <laughs> which is it, crazy. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I... It was so weird. Um, on the other end, a team that did get pretty good value, I do want to talk about the Magic, because that's kind of the next talking point. Yeah, the Magic. Big sellers at the trade deadline. Huge sellers. Fire sale. Did you see Terrence Ross's Twitter feed, by the way? Um, I saw some of the tweets, but I've already forgot what he what It was he my favorite thing of the day. As the trades were coming through, he was just like doing the shock gifts and like the uh Oh yeah. The, he was doing the office gifts of like the oh my god, it's happening mm-hmm. and like all this stuff, right? And then at the end when the trade deadline was over, he tweeted out the Captain Phillips, Hey, look at me, I'm the captain now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did I did see that one. That one was <laughs> and I was, was like, dude, funny. these are perfect. These are perfect tweets. Someone needs yeah. to hire. Someone needs to hire Terrence Ross to do social media at the end of at the end of his career. You know, it's kind of it's kind of weird how trade rumors have evolved now to the point where like it's being talked about on NBA broadcasts now. Players have been reacting to it the last four or five years. Like I don't know. Ever since I just felt like maybe obviously I could be wrong, but like it just felt like when whenever Woj was at Yahoo and he started tweeting out draft picks early and stuff like that, I just felt there was like a shift in the force or something like that at that point. That might have been the turning point because like I don't even for me it was right after Woj and Sham started like yeah racing Mm -hmm. to break Mm -hmm. these where I was like oh like it took off especially after Woj went to ESPN yeah I felt like yeah. Because then, then it was like that the GIFs of, you know, uh, yes, I say GIFs, I sound it out loud because I don't care about the GIF, GIF war and I don't want to get called out on it. So I just say GIF, <laughs> um, Photoshopped GIFs of Shams and Woj uh, with like, of like, you know, Woj dunking on Shams or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's taken like a whole other level, though, the last like four or five years. Now people are talking about it during the broadcast, which is like weird because it's also sources say stuff, but they're talking about it on an NBA product, which is all weird to me. But, you know, um, the Magic, though, were I, they had to be sellers at this point, right? They're in a full, complete rebuild now. Um, I think this was the right move. Yeah, so do I. I think they have, I, again, we talked about it earlier of like, I love their pieces. I loved their team in theory. Yeah. Um, a lot of tall like, guys who can't shoot. <laughs> yeah. That's how I mean, Magic just, fans would describe them. <laughs> it just came down to, oh, I we don't have the, uh, like, all like to me, one of their most interesting pieces um, is um, Jonathan Isaac, and he's hurt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the Magic came into the year thinking, like, we're going to be pretty good. And in all honesty, they should have been. When you look at their roster, there's no reason. I think at least the playoff team, their offenses always stink, though, because they're Yeah, but like there's no reason when you look at their roster that you think, oh, they're a bo- they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Oh, yeah, I agree. They had, a, they're they like, had no, 
a bunch of injuries this year. Yeah, there's no reason when you look at their roster, you go, wow, this team's horrible. You go, this team's good. Like, yeah, I, like I they like have it. players. They have yeah. Like, players. Yeah. Which is why. Yeah. <laughs> which is why they were, a, I thought they were a preeminent selling team or a team that looked to be. I was surprised they were, they, I was, I was surprised they traded Vooch, honestly, because it sounded like Vooch was just going to stay in Orlando. And, you know, even when people say like, well, why would Vooch want to stay in Orlando? Um, state free taxes. Um, you're the lead, you're the guy of an NBA franchise. Not a lot of people get to say that. And, you know, you're basically the, you're the number one guy on an NBA team living in Florida with a lot of money. So uh, it's not like the situation was that bad, but I didn't think they would trade Vooch and they did. And I think they got probably the 100% value out of him that they could. Yeah. Um, I think this was the perfect time to, sell off on Vooch um I like the trade with uh, I like the trade for Chicago but obviously with Orlando trading away Fournier finally Eric Gordon after like four years of what it seemed like he was in trade rumors and then Vooch it just the magic are just all in on a rebuild get time for Mo Bamba hopefully Isaac can heal up the magic fans can enjoy you know more Chumo Kiki who has been surprising people a lot of who has been uh, surprising people with his with his minutes um Cole Anthony's playing pretty well. Yeah, well, he's he's recovering from an injury though. He still has that a uh, cracked rib, I believe. So yeah. hopefully he, he comes back he soon. There, yeah, when he was in there, yeah, he was in there like yeah, before the injury, I think he had it in February. But before the injury, um, he was looking like another guy who could possibly make the All Rookie Team. Like he, he was already showing flashes as like a scoring guard. Um, you know, they, they're not going to be good. Um, I like RJ Hampton. He was a dog whenever he got minutes in Denver. Um. Um, also, this will be a chance to maybe rehabilitate Wendell Carter Jr. Because I think he, there is a good player in there somewhere. I just think almost two full seasons under Jim Boylan would stunt anyone's growth um, <laughs> in anything in life ever. <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, I think uh, Wendell Carter maybe just needed a fresh change of scenery. Maybe they could get weird and play some Bomba Carter <laughs> Carter lineups. Um, you know, uh, but. The Magic are in a full rebuild mode now. Yeah. Um, which of the Magic moves did you like? Um, or I which of the, the Magic centric trades did you like from the I other love, team side? Well, funny enough, going back to the Boston slander, the only one I didn't like was the Fournier one. The only one that you didn't like? Yeah. I love. Yeah. I love the fit with the Nuggets with Gordon. Do you watch them last night? I did. I watched the Nuggets Hawks game. It, it was, and you could tell they're still working some kinks out, but. Gordon, I think, what was it? The first few possessions ran a, you know, screen and roll with Jokic and yeah. Gordon got an easy dunk. And it was like, oh, okay, this is, like, this, so this, I, this is exactly what I envisioned. It was one I of my brought, favorite trades of the deadline. I brought this up with my dad and I was like, dude, it's like they got, it's like they were, they had Michael Porter Jr. And they're like, okay, we're going to bring in future you. Except a ten times better defender. Yeah, but we're but we're gonna we're gonna bring in what we hope future you is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, it, think of it. Aaron Gordon is pretty much physically and like kind of player archetype wise what you would hope Michael Porter Jr. is eventually. And so like seeing that dynamic with being running the pick and rolls and the pick more surprising not the pick and rolls but the pick and pops with Aaron yeah. Gordon. Yeah, his he, three it, this year has been a uh, has been pretty good, especially catch and shoot. And especially with how athletic he is off the dribble, when you you have to come out on him, and then it's yeah. just a blow by, and it's the spacing, everything, everything is fixed with him on the court. Honestly, 
it's like getting it's like getting two Jeremy Grants and a three years younger Paul Millsap rolled into a player because I think Gordon is a awesome defender. I think he was overtaxed in Orlando as the guy. I think if he's the third or fourth guy, he is perfect for that role because he he does a lot of things really well, but nothing great. And also, you don't want him creating off the dribble because it's a disaster usually. Also, well, you could use him on this team because now they actually have some threats outside of Gordon. And so maybe it'll be a little bit easier for him. You can mix some stuff in there. But I loved this trade for Denver. I actually would... I want to see a few more games of this, but he covers a lot of mistakes defensively. He'll cover, he's going to cover a lot of mistakes defensively, especially for Michael Porter Jr., who is getting a little bit better on that end. But I like the size across the board. I like the closing lineup they could put out there. So just imagine, like, you know, Will Barton, Murray, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jokic, or you take out um, Will Barton and put in Faku Campazo or Monte Morris when he gets back. The Nuggets just, Aaron Gordon just fits snugly in and gives the Nuggets access to a bunch of lineups that they could play, but didn't, were missing like that extra oomph, that extra gear in the lineups they would play to go alongside Jokic's incredible offensive season. And so I would put them above the Clippers, actually. I kind of, I like, this move so much. I think I the Nuggets are going to go on a run here. And uh, I really, this was my favorite move of the deadline. Yeah, I, I agree. It's one of my favorites. I, I do love the Bulls move long-term. I don't love it this season. Yeah, same. Um, I, I like this deal too, just long-term. Just having Levine and yeah, definitely Luch together. Yeah, But the, like, I would have loved it even more if they had gotten Lonzo too. Um, yeah. That was the rumor because to me the Lonzo Levine uh Vooch core is so fascinating to me. Um mm-hmm. but you know, then you have three SoCal college guys in the same uh, <laughs> But no, uh, they've they have three final four final final the elite eight teams. By the way, we gotta talk tournament too. We'll talk about the tournament later. The uh I, I gotta talk some shit. So then <laughs> Okay. The the thing with that trade that I love is like it does free like Wendell Carter was so weird because you on paper it looked like they should fit he should fit next to Lori Marketin really really mm-hmm. well Lori could space the floor uh but it just didn't work out that way because Wendell Carter was kind of a I don't know what how do you describe him he was a little bit of a black hole in a lot of ways. Where like kickouts and stuff just weren't happening and spacing wasn't working. Also, now, Jim Boylan just actively told him not to shoot threes or try shit. Too. Yeah, um, it, it was weird. So like now, when you have Vooch, who is a fantastic passer out of the post, when you have him being able to sort of play like a Jokic role, where you have Marketin, who's a fantastic shooter, I think I think that gets lost in a lot of this stuff. Like Marketin's still a great young player. I still like him a lot. Me too. And so when you have him now able to sort of freelance and play off the ball with a passer and with an offense that's going to be able to find him in space, I think that's really fascinating and it really could be a lot of fun. I still, the, the re, I don't think it's going to work out as much this year because I still think the Bulls, whenever I watch them, they have a lot of players I like and they play hard. Billy Donovan yeah. has them well coached. I just think they're missing a few connectors on the perimeter. I know they've been trying to manufacture 
you know, passes and ball movement, you know, through, you know, Thaddeus Young, who has been having a great year passing the ball. And, you know, Sadoransky can chip in here and there. Levine average is averaging five assists, but it's more so out of, you know, his self-creation outside of, uh, as opposed to, you know, finding guys or throwing guys open or whatever. Uh, so Lonzo would have been actually really good for the Bulls also. Yeah, um, But, uh, also, I, I love- do like I do like that the Bulls just have two All Stars now that are really good offensive players because the two man game between those two are just it's just going to be nasty. I I was I was watching the Bulls Spurs game over the weekend to see how it would look and it did not turn out well. Basically, halfway through the first quarter is when the game just went bad for the Bulls. It was a bad blowout, so I didn't really get a good gauge to have some first impressions on it, but. Um, I there is some stuff you see there was some stuff they did like in the first quarter where you're just like okay like a lot of like some of these plays will make a lot of sense like throw the ball into Vooch and have cutters come off of him dribble handoff with Zach Levine like it's gonna I like I can't wait to see the explored offensive creativity between these two players yeah definitely and I think uh the thing that I, I think went a little underrated I love that they got Tice as a backup center Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoy him yeah. as a backup center. I don't like him so much as a starter, but I think he's a top backup center. Yeah, he's a rotation big for sure. Like he does a lot of little things that you know helps a team. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking of someone else, and I want who who else am I thinking of here that uh, <laughs> that is that was the same kind of player from a couple years ago that is that you would think is like not a great starter. But he's someone that's like, man, if he can, if I can have him as a rotation guy, play for the Wizards. Uh, Mo Wagner. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, who? 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 Uh, uh, I forget his name. Uh, he played for he played for the Wizards. He played for the Magic. He played with Dwight a lot. They ran uh, twin fouls with him and Dwight for a long time. He's European. Oh boy. You know what I'm um, talking about? This is this is great podcasting. I do I I I'm blanking. His nose is gigantic. Oh, I know who it is. I know I remember his name. It's you got it? Or you want me to tell you? You tell me. The Marcin Gortat. Oh my god. Yeah, that wow. Wow. I how did I forget that? <laughs> Dude, Damn. he was he's the kind of player to me where it's like, man, I don't like him as my starter, but I love him as yeah. my backup. He was a he was a starter for some Wizards playoff teams for a long yeah. time, and it was, it was like, a, yeah, he's decent, but like you could always upgrade that position. Center. Yeah, he's a solid center, but like to me, if you could have him as a as a rotation like sixth, seventh guy, backup center, mm-hmm. I think he's great. Yeah, so it's got you think of Tyson. That's I'd agree with that. Yeah, Tyson would be in, in that same mold. Although like, I would say, I have, um, sorry, I have him in that, in that like uh, Birdman role too. Of like, dude, just the guy comes off the bench, high energy, good defense. Yeah, catch and finish around the hoop. Yep. That's well, exactly Tice is go- Tice is going to shoot the occasional three, but uh, but yeah, I like that. I like that pickup for the Bulls. Um, I also like that the Nuggets got Javale McGee. By the way, kind of needed yes. a vertical space, not vertical, you know, rim protector to back it up Jokic too. Circle for Javale. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He was on some good. He was on that uh that fifty six win Nugget team, that fifty seven win Nugget team, the back in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Yeah, the uh, the the mellow trade pieces. I think that yeah, Wilson Chandler was yeah. the best player. Were who? Wilson Chandler. 
No, uh, Andre Iguodala was their best player. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he he was he was their best defender, best playmaker, yeah, best yeah, yeah. everything. Andre Iguodala is so underrated. I just I, remember. I, I well, I remember loving uh, Sixers Andre Iguodala. Everyone yeah. talks about Warriors Andre Iguodala. No, Sixers Andre Iguodala. Was Sixers Andre Iguodala was amazing. He just miscast as a first as a as a uh, first option. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I, I like I love that trade a lot, and I think a lot of people kind of. The Vooch trade kind of overshadowed that, and it should. It's a more important trade, but I think the Tice trade like kind of rounds out their roster a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives them it gives them a lot of depth. Uh, the one that so the one trade I didn't like, again going back to the Celtics, was the Fournier one. They didn't give up a ton, so it's it's okay. I just don't know what this trade does for them. It it felt like they were like, we need to make a move and we need to do something. What can we do? And they just swung, and this is the best they could get. I kind of get it from the perspective of you kind of want somebody to, you know, replace the, you know, minutes from, you know, guys four through third, basically the guys beyond Tatum, Brown, Smart, Kimba, you want to, you know, get more assurance and production from the rest of the guard positions. I imagine Fournier is going to come off the bench. And obviously this was clearly not the guy they were trying to go for. They yeah. almost it got like, it they like almost shit. fell through. What do I do? Yeah. They, they almost got Aaron Gordon. And so yeah. they had to settle for uh <laughs> they had to settle for Fournier. Um you know I I guess I kinda get it. I guess maybe I'm not I don't I guess I uh don't dislike the deal as much as you do, I guess. I don't um like it. I just think like it's pretty underwhelming. Yeah, it it is underwhelming. I do think it kind of helps though, because one, I don't think it helps them with their real problem, which is you know they need to get some more ball movement going. Smart yeah. is their best passer, but you saw when Smart was out, Tatum and Brown they can create, but it's more like watch me cook with the rock and then you know dish it out, yeah. um, as opposed to you know moving the ball around the perimeter and stuff, which is you know why Smart is also really important to that team, not just defensively. But yeah, um, it, just, it just felt like, uh, shit, we need to make something happen. Let's yeah. just do this. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, well, it's, we're going to get into this a little later uh, with the Rondo trade. I felt like that was sort of the same idea. I have thoughts on that one, but the, it's sort of the same thing where it's mm. like, man, this is an upgrade and it helps, but like, I don't think this gets to the real issue here. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't feel like this fixes anything. I think mm. it just makes you a little better at what you're already doing. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel about it. Um, I still think they're, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty, I guess, soft for lack of a better term, defensively also. And then they gave up, you know, ty- well, Robert Williams has been incredible this year, by the way. Like, he's really taken a leap as a third-year player. And he's yeah. some, he's become a, he's become a really good passer too. So that's probably why they gave up on, gave up Tice. Although Tristan Thompson's been bad this year. Um, they, did get, they did pick up Mo Wagner, who is going to lower that. Defense yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, actually Mo, Mo Wagner, um, that dude, that I love, I love whenever, you know, the Sixers would play the Wizards or whatever, or whenever I catch Wizards games, like that dude, whenever he gets his minutes, I'm telling you, he's going to play hard and he's going to flop his ass off. <laughs> and, and, he, and if he, if he gets that ball, he's going to launch it. Yep. It, yep. Definitely a perfect Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think this helps them a little bit, but is it enough to put them back in the same class of, you know, 
the Sixers, the Bucks, the Celtics. No. Um, I think there's just a lot going on with this team. And right now they're in the play-in. They're the seventh seed. They would be playing the Heat in the play-in. That would be a hell of a... Or no, they wouldn't be playing the Heat in the play-in. Both of those teams are in the play-in, though, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, I guess the you're right. The four-name move was underwhelming, but I guess I get it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I get it. It just seemed like a real panic move. And like it's something where it's like, ah, okay. Whatever. Yeah, they didn't give up a lot, so I'm not like mad about it. I don't think they get fleeced, but like, man, I just I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think there's the rest are kind of smaller deals, like the Mavericks getting Redick. I think is huge, and Melly, I think is huge. Luca, um, they they were like, we're gonna put shooting around Luca, and uh, let me tell you, like, Luca Luca's been on fire for like the last 25 games. He's finally in shape and all that, and um, now. They have a bunch of shooting, or they added more shooting. I think they were missing Seth Curry, which ended up being a masterstroke of a trade by Daryl Morey. Yeah. Um, but J.J. Redick provides some of that historic three-point shooting, along with the ball movement. Like, um, Redick brings, you know, gravity in a different way than Seth did. J.J. just moves all over the floor. Nico Melli is also a re- was a really good shooter whenever he got minutes with the Pelicans. So um, I like that move. Uh I want to talk about uh, <clears throat> my my team's uh, you know yeah, the George Hill move, trade the George Hill trade. So I think this was a perfect pivot for the Sixers to when they once they got out of the Lowry sweepstakes. I know George Hill isn't somebody that's like going to throw off the balance of the Eastern Conference or whatever, but I think sometimes, and correct me if I'm wrong here in my assessment that I'm about to give, but I think sometimes when a player like George Hill gives a team like the Sixers the ability to run lineups that they have been running, but not as optimal, not as player fitting with George Hill gives the Sixers a little bit more. They could run the lineups a little bit better. You could put two guards out there instead of like Seth Curry and Danny green as a small lineup, quote unquote, you could put George Hill, Danny green, Tobias, Ben Simmons and bead or more bench lineups where Ben Simmons can play because play with the bench because they have shooting around him. I think sometimes getting a player that can unlock lineups that I think could be impactful in a potential playoff series, such as letting Ben being able to play with more shooters and ball handlers off the bench with the bench lineups. I think that's sometimes as important as acquiring a big name player because having more access to lineups, I think to swing a playoff series that that's huge that's huge and so i like it from that perspective we needed another guard a professional guard a professional point guard somebody who could play on and off the ball is a solid defender he shot 46 percent from three with the bucks uh last season um and you know was doing well with the thunder before he had right thumb surgery but uh i like this pickup for the sixers and i think getting the lineups more access to lineup versatility or to run lineups more smoothly, I think was just as important in this deal. Yeah, completely agree. I think for teams in sort of the, the, the leaders spots and like the, you know, teams up top, I think it's all about the lineup versatility. It's why I love the Aaron Gordon trade so much. It gives them so much different versatility in the lineups. I think like um, even the Lakers picking up Drummond, I think gives them a lot more versatility um, th- that's why I, I, I'm so weirded out by this Rondo pickup by the Clippers. I think it's smart. I think it's what they, it's something that they do need of like a creator and something that we brought up a couple of times, mm. but it does 
still doesn't solve their problem giving them someone that can get easy baskets at the rim. Yeah. Like you're still you're still having this issue where it's yeah, alarming. now he <clears throat> What's up? I said it's alarming how um how much they shoot jumpers now. Yeah. And it's fascinating because they do have a really good offensive rating. I think they're second in the league mm-hmm. in offensive rating, but their fourth quarter rating is absolutely terrible. And it's it's because they're taking these jumpers all game. And like yeah. eventually they're gonna drop off or like get t- their their leg is gonna give out and like Kawhi doesn't look the same in the fourth quarter. And I don't know obviously playoff rondo is a little bit of a different beast, but I don't, I don't even know like if playoff rondo is still not someone that gets you easy baskets. He is someone that helps create easy baskets for other people. But even then, if you're creating more jumpers, it's just more of the same problem. You don't, I, they don't have a single slasher on their team or an inside yeah. scorer. They have all these guys that are jump shooters. And it's so weird to watch them play half-court offense. Yeah, um, I guess you're just you're paying a premium for, you know, I guess how many games you get out of playoff Rondo, quote-unquote. And it does solve a little bit of their setting the table problem, but the, to me the bigger problem is their defense is just not the same, especially their defense at the rim, which is also, yeah. I think, part of the reason why their offense kind of it goes in the fourth quarter because they can't get easier shots off of stops. Yeah. And so that was kind of the one thing yeah, where think about it. when a game slows down, especially in the playoffs, it's all about inside scoring. It all slows down eventually to inside scoring and like easy yeah. baskets. Mm-hmm. Even in the era of threes, the it in the playoffs when things slow down at the end of games, it all boils down to who can get easy baskets inside and who can stop easy baskets. Mm-hmm. And like we saw it last year with the Lakers with their size and like their inside scoring with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We saw it with, uh, with the, we see it with the Nuggets where, dude, they just pick and roll people to death, and yeah, then they get wide open jump shots because you're so concerned with this this Jokic inside game, like all the, even Embiid, Embiid's killing people down low, yeah, and stopping people from scoring and like all this stuff, and the Clippers do neither of those well. Mm-hmm. They do, it, yeah, they do none of that, and so yeah, when it's and plus the pressure that it puts on your team when you're giving up layups and you're missing jumpers, the pressure that it mounts over the course of a game to have to make these shots mentally is taxing over the course of a season. And, and also, like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. And again, Rondo doesn't help with any of these problems. He actually makes it worse. Yeah. With, um, with how, of a, how, how wide screen door he is. I mean, okay, maybe not worse because he's not worse than Lou Williams. But it's I was gonna like- say I I think um not having Lou Williams uh for this playoff run might be actually good for the Clippers. Playoff Rondo is better than Lou, playoff Lou Williams, who has been one of the worst playoff performers of the last decade. So I think it's an upgrade from that perspective. But you're right; it doesn't solve my main issues with the Clippers. Um, Ibaka's been hurt, so their rim protection has um it, it, that could help a little bit, but. Even with them there, they've been allowing a lot of easy shots at the rim, and their bottom third in defensive rating. Like, I there's just the Clippers have a high offense, but they shoot so many jumpers. It's very alarming to me that that they rely so much on it and don't get to the line at all because you do need easy points. Part of getting easy points also is getting to the free throw line, yeah. and they just don't do that. And um, it's 
it's why even though they're a contender, I put them in the contender tier. They're probably the contender that I'm worried about the most if I'm looking at it yeah. just from a bird's eye view because okay. the, just of those just because of those exact flaws. Um, <clears throat> as great as Kawhi and Paul George have been, you know Reggie Jackson still getting minutes. Nicholas Batum, yeah, he's you know he's starting now and all that, but he was probably your third best player. Yeah, it's kind of an issue when he's uh, one of your most important players, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, it's, um, yeah, they're they're definitely the contender I'm worried about the most. Uh, I like I said, I would with the nug with the Nuggets move, I would put them over the Clippers if I were to do my tier list. Um, again, I might put them, might put them over the the Suns or at at pace with the Suns. If this continues to go the way that we saw yesterday, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to put them over the Suns or the or the Jazz just yet. I want to see a few weeks of this, but it, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of it, uh, I just need to see a few weeks of this Gordon thing first before I put yeah. them over the. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, if they start this hot and they continue to go, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't have them high. If you know later down the line, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like th- this is de- you're I'm I'm not a uh, disagreeing with you by the way. I think that is very is very reasonable to uh you know move Denver up the contender ladder now. I think I had them in the uh the dark horse, you know, tier kind of like waiting in the next tier. And now I think the Nuggets are this I think this was the player the Nuggets needed. I re- I really like I I know we're going back to this move, but I really that was my probably my favorite move. It was the it was a really good pickup for them. I didn't think they were gonna get Gordon either, so it was just like, whoa, okay, like now we're cooking with something here. Because, uh, yeah, that, I really like I really like this that move for the Nuggets. Also, Bull Bulls hitting step back threes now. Yeah, I know that that crossover step back was wild. I was like, Jesus, like a lot of people are doing that now. Like, I can't wait to uh, after the uh, tournaments over and stuff. I've missed a lot of the. Um, Miss a lot of the uh, Sweet 16 this weekend. Um, but uh, I want to, once the season's over and I start diving into prospects, the college season's over and I start diving into prospects a little bit, I can't wait to watch Evan Mobley, uh, more Evan Mobley film. Because, oh Did you see his yeah, dunk yesterday? Yeah. I, I saw a few, quite a few moves from, him, from Mr. Mobley yesterday. Oh, wow. And the handle, the passing, and the defense – that combination alone is like, yeah, lottery, lottery pick, pick. <laughs> lottery pick automatically. Pick. Yeah, a lot of people have you had him too. You said yeah, I have him too. Oh yeah, obviously behind Kate Cunningham, which is yeah. probably everybody's top two right now. I also like Jalen Suggs. I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, well, it's not, it's not like I'm groundbreaking or anything I like that. I, but I, I think I'm lower on most people than most people on both Jalen's. On uh, who is the other Jalen again? Yeah. Green? Yeah, Jalen Green. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. You're, Green, you're, yeah. You're, I think I'm. I think I'm lower than most people on both of them. But I, like, I think there's a. I think to me, Mobley and Cade are the two like top tier clear picks. Like they're the they're the Jaw and the Zion to me. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's like a pretty not big drop off, but like you know an RJ Barrett size drop off to me. Um. So yeah, again, I, can't, I can't wait to dive it. I can't wait to dive into it so I can uh, yeah. see and rank the so, players yeah. because this draft class seems to be interesting. But uh, yeah, it really is. I do want to talk about this real quick though. Everyone in the world 
talking shit about the Pac-12 and how the Pac-12 is <laughs> the worst. I'll let you have the floor. Go it's for it. The worst. It's the worst conference in college basketball, and they're playing terrible and crappy, and they look horrible. And now we're we have twenty five percent of the elite eight, and we had a we had a it could have been more because we had a we had a team kill in in the bracket. So we could have had more Pac-12 teams if Pac-12 teams weren't killing each other. Betrayal. <laughs> and so I just want to say shout out to USC and UCLA for doing work and doing their business. Uh, my dad won't shut up about it because uh, so Johnny Zuzang, who's the kind of star guy for UCLA, uh, grew up around here, and so he's uh, my dad knows him since he was little or since he grew up, and then uh, knows his mom pretty well. And so my dad keeps watching UCLA games and and telling me like, hey, you know, I know that guy. I was like, yes, I know you know that guy. <laughs> and so my dad keeps talking about how he's going to be a lottery pick and how he's great and all this stuff. And you know, I guess my dad my dad's gone to a bunch of games of his. He he grew up again. He grew up around here, so my dad grew went to like a lot of the high school games and and mm. seen him play and stuff like that. But yeah, he uh, he's been playing great. And so, yeah, shout out to those teams and shout out to everyone on the East Coast and all these sports Next writers. Next time you watch a UCLA game with your dad, you can you can uh, finish his sentence when he's like, hey, did you know it? Yes, I know you knew that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, but, uh, you know. Yeah, a lot of UCLA popping off. I, 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 I feel it. You guys, uh, you guys are, uh, you know, in the Elite Eight. Um, you guys were... You know, a lot of people were doubting you guys as the 11th seed, too, that you could get this far and, you know, pop your collar a little bit. I feel it. Hell yeah. But uh, also, watching it, no one's going to beat Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, uh, that is the, that is the team, I think, too. Um, nobody, I think they are the, uh, the odds on favorite. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like not even close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But you know, shout out UCLA. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any fun. other uh, any any uh, strag- other straggling trade deadline thoughts? Um, uh, no, I, I do want to talk buyout because I think that I, I do want to talk Lakers Nets here because I think these are the two most interesting things that happen. I don't. I I just love how the buyout is just a huge topic every year. It's like, oh, that's not fair. The good players, uh, the buyout yeah. market. The the buyout a, a team has not won a championship because, because of the buyout of play, buyout yeah. player. I do think Drummond going to the Lakers. Let, let me just real quickly before I get your side of it from the Lakers in perspective. Um, these people that are just like, oh, the Nets are stacked now. They're stacked now. Blake Griffin looks a tad bit better, but he was washed for the most part in Detroit. LaMarcus Aldridge was washed in San Antonio. I just don't, we can't act like they're former all-stars again, just because the names are on the roster. Like, uh, I don't, like, I don't know. The buyout market is also a good litmus test of who's actually been watching these players um, also. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do want to say that I don't think Drummond was washed. Like he's still oh, no, out, no, no. But he was 1814. He was awful in Cleveland. Well, let me take that back. For the first few weeks in Cleveland, and this is the rub with Andre Drummond. When engaged, there was stuff to like about Andre Drummond, but that's yeah. been the problem most of his career. So after yeah. a few weeks, he was playing awful, makes awful decisions and stuff like that. Yeah. But he has qualities that LeBron will absolutely 
bring out of him. And it's a good pickup for the Lakers. Being with, I think being with a, a championship contender and with the culture that we have in LA, because again, I, I've said this a, a ton of times, but like the Lakers just have so much fun. Like they just, the team just likes each other and they just have a good time. And like, I think mm-hmm. in that environment when you're winning and when you're playing for a championship, I think like it's the first time he's going to be able to do that. It's the first time he's going to have a winning record uh, uh, on a team. And so, you know, I think that's something to, that's, if that doesn't engage him, I don't know what will. Um, yeah. At this but, point, like I'd be shocked if Drummond didn't do well with the Lakers. Yeah. I think and, he's uh, even, even when unengaged, he played 25 games for the uh, Cavs this year, averaged 17.5 points and 13.5 rebounds. That's a solid center for me for all we need him to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, his workload isn't going to be huge like it has been the rest of his career, like it was in Detroit or anything like that. So, you know, he's going to have probably the, the least amount of, of responsibility that he's ever had here, and he's going to be playing for a championship. So, you yeah. know, there's no reason for him not to succeed or think he's going to succeed. The, uh, you know, same thing with Lamarcus Aldridge, too. Like, I feel like he's going to do really well in, in, in Brooklyn. I think that's a really weird fit in Brooklyn because I don't think again it it goes back to the thing of man they just not gonna play any kind of defense. <laughs> yeah, gonna... I don't know. I don't see where Lamarcus Aldridge is gonna get minutes. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, like, I just don't know. Like what? Like is he gonna like? Take... Would, I would not play. I would not play Lamarcus Aldridge over Nick Claxton. I, no. I would not. Nick Claxton is a way better player at this point than Lamar or a more important player for the Nets than Lamarcus Aldridge. Do you know what lineup like, I'm waiting for, Jordan? You know, I'm waiting for. Uh, I'm, I'm, waiting with for it. I'm waiting for the full five out lineup, where you just get, you give Harden the ball top of the key, and on on either side of him you have Aldridge and Blake <laughs> and Durant and Kyrie just spotting up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, the, like the, this lineup would have been so deadly in 2015. <laughs> this lineup. All and and hey, you know what? You know what's great about this lineup, Jordan? They don't even they don't even run back on defense. They just let you score. Yeah, they let you score. And if they get the ball, they don't even move from their spot. They just well, Marcus Aldridge spot. is standing right in the same spot. He's not moving a muscle. He'll score on women and just be like, go ahead. Everyone knows the Aldridge spot. It's that it's the right side elbow, mm-hmm. and he's gonna chill there. Yeah, catch it back to the basket. And it'll be a, either yeah, it'll be either the yeah the post up back down fade or the face up the face up game mm-hmm. like the the post up that turns into a face up. That's, that's Lamar. Yep. That's Lamar Aldridge, and that's yep. been Lamar Aldridge for the past decade. That's all he does. <laughs> and then the Nets will be like, you know what? If Aldridge just has to stand on defense, I don't want to stand on defense. Let's just let him score. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know, man. Like, everybody's like, it's just funny that, and, and you know, there's inevitably going to be bitching on, uh, you know, the internets and all that stuff. But I just don't see how this is was some unfair thing. The team was already unfair with, the team's unfair because they have, you know, Irving and Harden and Kevin Durant has only played 19 games this year <laughs> and they're still this good. Yeah. It's not, the Nets are not going to, like, I saw like the whole if the Nets don't win the championship this year, oh, they're gonna get it worse than the 2016 17 Warriors. It's like, really? Like, because that Warriors team is like arguably the best team ever. Like, four Hall of Famers. Like, well, Marcus Aldridge is 
washed. Blake Griffin is 70, 80% washed. Like, I don't know. It doesn't, it, it this doesn't, it, we're overreacting, I think. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure sort of how this fit works. And again, defensively, nope. Dude, I, my dad was asking about this too, and he's like, what? Why are they signing Lamar? I was like, maybe their plan is to just throw bodies at Embiid and Anthony Davis and hope they tire him out. Like, just throw big bodies at him and hope hope it works. <laughs> just basically like, a, what was it? How teams back in the day used to just keep a third yeah. third string center on their roster to basically be six fouls for Shaq. Yeah, like, you know, just throw them at him. Like a, like a big man cannon. Like, <laughs> big man <laughs> I was thinking I was like they're like firing big men at Embiid or Davis just like boom <laughs> like a can yeah and then like hopefully you hit him hopefully you hit him in the right spot and like he just like slows down a little bit and you're like yeah, yeah I got some right or like hey guys he's breathing heavy now you can finish him off right like, yeah yeah like a you know? shadow of the like a shadow of the colossus boss fight or some shit <laughs> yeah I mean, you just, you know, you're firing bigs. That's why that's that was the Pistons' plan. You know, they're signing mm. all these bigs. They're just gonna fire them away. Yeah, just fire, fire them away all the way down to the bottom of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Congrats. I think that's pretty much like the other, the only other news because nothing else has really happened. Yeah, um, um, there is little stuff here and there. I thought the, um, just real quickly, um, I I thought the. Uh, I initially thought the Raptors Blazers trade was a little weird, but after thinking about it, I do like it for the Blazers from the standpoint of they just needed a little bit more pop offensively to take the load yeah. off of CJ and Dame. And the Raptors get a really nice player in Gary Trent Jr. who fits what Nurse wants to do, can shoot, can defend. Um, but I, I came away with that trade liking it for both sides after initially not liking it for Portland because I liked Gary Trent. But after looking at it and thinking about how long Powell is under contract for. I think he's in under contract for another year after this one, um, after this season. Um, I, I like that. I like that deal for both sides. Yeah. Oh, so we ended last week talking about the Sacramento, or we ended last week about talking about the Sacramento Kings. Oh and, yeah, that's right. And, and how they should, they should, they should have a fire sale and sell a farm. And start building around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. And instead they bought players. <laughs> so I Not remember you were players, but so like you, Yeah. I don't know. I had a freak out moment because I was so confused. You tried to like ease my concerns here. But I will I just, I just don't I, I don't know if it was concern easy. I just don't see these two moves. Um it, so for people who are listening, the Sacramento Kings traded basically one second rounder for DeLon Wright with the um, Detroit Pistons. And then they uh, traded another second round pick to the Raptors for Terrence Davis. And um, I really, I get what you're saying, but I really don't see these moves as like big buy now moves. Like I see them as, like to me, a buy now move would have been spending first rounders, which would have been a big no no to me, um, obviously, because the Kings suck and they need that first round pick. But if they're spending a second on rotation players that fit what they do long term, like I get the thought process behind the right one because Corey Joseph was awful for the Kings whenever he was on the court. 
and they need somebody like DeWan Wright, who is fast and athletic, and that fits the mold of the Kings, who should be building all their building their entire team around Fox and Halliburton on the idea that they are a pace team. And I think DeLon Wright fits that. I think Terrence Davis fits that as well. And so if you don't think you're going to get a rotation player out of those second round picks and you could get two for sure rotation players that are under contract for a bit, then I don't mind those moves. But I do wish they sold at the deadline when they did or I do wish they sold at the deadline. These moves would have made a lot more sense. I don't, I still think they kind of make sense, but if they think that they, um, I get your point. My thing is just like, what do you do? Like, yes, these are good rotation pieces, but it's not like any of these make or break you. And you're still in the same spot. You just don't have the draft capital now. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing like that. So that's one of the tricky things, right? It's like, do you think you're going to get a rotation player out of those second round picks? And I'm always someone who wants to keep second round picks, yeah. obviously, and take a swing at it. So that part of it is tough because I also think if they just sold at the deadline, the moves would have made a lot more sense because I think they're trying to fill out the rotation so they can avoid losing out in free agency because that's the other disadvantage with the Kings is that they're not a very attractive free agent destination right now so i think they're trying to fill out the roster in the in other by other means i think they need to sell in the summer at least trade buddy healed or harris one of buddy healed or harrison barnes uh for this to make a lot more sense um because they there's a lot of contract money tied up into those guys at this point I would trade healed and just go all in on a De'Aaron Fox Halliburton backcourt. I don't know if you've seen the numbers since uh, Halliburton has been put into the starting lineup in place of Marvin Bagley, but I think they are seven, six and one, seven and one in their last eight games. And De'Aaron Fox is playing some of the best basketball of his career by far. And I think um, it's not a coincidence that he's doing that with Halliburton next to him. So I think the big move for the Kings this summer and for these to make a little bit more sense is to trade Buddy Heald and um, let the Fox and Halliburton backcourt cook. Harrison Barnes has been fantastic. I think the Kings should keep him because he is one of those in the same Aaron Gordon mold where he unlocks versatile lineups. He can defend one through four and he's become a really good shooter and a really good offensive player. So um I get your concerns, but I also get why the Kings did it. I think it was more clever maneuverability with second. I don't think giving up uh, two second round picks for two players that are going to play for you down the road is that bad. If it was a first round pick, I would have had a heart attack. Kings fans all would have had a heart attack, but I get, I get your concern. I mean, to me, it's just a thing of like, you guys move the needle or they like, they don't do anything for you. And then the draft picks, even if you're not hitting on the draft picks, those are always good for trades down the line, especially, oh, for sure. I agree. especially like, if you want to package them in with something bigger. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we want to trade Buddy Heald, throwing in an extra second round pick or two can really get you something great in return instead of something that's, you know, instead of taking a loss on it. Yeah. And so like, to me, all that stuff, especially for a team that is not a destination, that the draft picks are probably your most, one of your more important assets. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, getting guys that are rotation pieces. Again, if it's if this is like the Lakers or the Sixers or some a team that yeah, these guys are important pieces that are going to play down the line and like 
we're going to need in the future, then yeah, cool. But you don't know when they're going to be useful for you and when it's going to, when they're going to matter in the long run. You're not, you might not be good for another five or six years when they're already gone. Yeah. My thing is always like, let's get better first and then fill out the pieces later. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're, like, it feels like you're building a house on top of bad foundation. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, just looking at the deals, I was like, cool, I get how these fit, but like, your flooring is terrible. Like, in one earthquake, and this is going to go to shit. I mean, and to be fair, it already has kind of gone to shit. You're trying to build <laughs> on top of shit. Like, you have you have two pillars left of this building. You're like, let's let's build the building back up. You're like, you I think build- the I I think the I think the two quick quick fixes to this shitty shaky foundation that you referenced is one firing Luke Walton and a trading buddy healed. I think those. I because I, I think after that you're cooking with gas because if you get a coach that actually decides, hey, maybe we should play like the fastest team in the NBA because we have the fastest point guard in the NBA. Then you do it, you get that coach, and then you trade Buddy Heald to get more capital and assets because I think Buddy Heald is a player a lot of teams could use. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally I totally get it from your perspective. Like I said, I'm the guy who's like, never trade your second round picks. Yeah. But um, for the Kings, um, Maybe they are putting the cart ahead of the horse a little bit, getting some rotation pieces down the But I high picks. These are high second round picks. Yeah, the Kings. Yeah, no, they definitely gave up. Like I was telling you, they gave up a pick of uh, consequence with that second rounder. But um, if it means you know, they also gave up. They gave up like four first round picks, right? Wait, they what? They've given up like four first round picks in the last like week. No, the Kings not, they haven't given up a first round pick. Oh, no, sorry, second round pick. They gave up they have like four second round picks in the last like week. Right? Well, well that the thing is um for the uh what was it? The Delon Wright trade. They only they gave up two second round picks, I think. One of them was theirs obviously. That's going to be the one of consequence, but the Lakers one, that's going to be that's a whatever one. Yeah, that's a whatever one. So that's why I was saying like, yeah, it looks like they gave up uh a lot of second they might have thrown in another second round pick that was also a high pick that was from a contender but uh the terrence davis one right um whose pick was that great this is going to be a great podcasting but i'm about to look this up right now they gave that up they gave up another pick there and then they gave they did a trade last week with the clippers right and they got they gave them another one okay so it looks like it was a it looks like it was a three-team trade. So the Kings get Terrence Davis, and then the Raptors get the Memphis and Golden State picks, which would have been middling second-round picks. So a little bit more value there. So if you want to, I guess we can him and haggle about the value of those two picks. But um, as far as the the, the the DeLon Wright one, they only gave up the Kings second-rounder and the Lakers second-rounder. The Kings one is the one, the big that they gave up. But... Yeah. I don't mind them. I guess I am. I wasn't. I didn't consider these as buy moves as much as you did. I guess. I guess that's the only difference. But I get where you're coming from. Yeah, it just it just seems like buy moves when you're trying to fill out, like when you're trying to make make your team better. Yeah. Around edges. Like it, you don't you don't make make things nice around the edges if your center sucks. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, core is not if your core is not solid 
it's like uh it's like making a cho- making a chocolate souffle or whatever and like you're making the, the outside all pretty and nice but like when you taste it you're like oh, that is trash have you made a chocolate souffle before no i have not okay neither have i i was just asking <laughs> i had to i had to ask <laughs> since you made that analogy um no yeah the king's for me the king's priorities are resigning rashawn home holmes who's been fantastic um and trading one of Heald or Barnes this summer. I want to give the Kings front office a little bit more time too, because this is their first year on the job. And maybe these moves have a direct or a correlation down the road. Yeah, when they would be wrong. And they're like good next year with the couple moves that they're making. You're like, wow. They also, they, I think there's also something to be said with this team might just be trying to make the playoffs for the first time in 15 years too, because they feel like they have the young core with, Fox and Halliburton and maybe they benefit from getting some playoff minutes without burning too much of their draft capital I guess too is is probably the other thing because Kings fans have been starving here for what was it the 2018-19 season where they won 39 games Kings fans were like okay we could be cooking with something here and then it just went to shit last year Uh, injuries and inconsistent play except for that January and February and then yeah this year they've just had wild swings and now they're back up again towards the play-in game but yeah i just i maybe they are trying to make the playoffs but we'll see didn't think we'd end the podcast with a 15 minute sacramento kings talk but here we are <laughs> well they just made moves where i was like this is so this is so weird and it, it, no no yeah i get it i get it i get it yeah it's it, and what we ended the show well we ended the show last week with kings and we'll end the show this week with kings uh-huh. There, there we go. <laughs> uh-huh. So this this has been uh, your your uh, your Sacramento Kings uh, segment of the show, okay. <laughs> replacing the Lamelo Wanzo segment since Lamelo's out now. They're both out. They're both hurt. Yeah, the, yeah. We're replacing the ball segment with Kings Talk weekly. Kings Talk. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, thanks guys for watching uh, again if you guys have any comments or feedback follow us on Twitter follow us on uh, YouTube and uh, Spotify and all the all the places yes. and uh, yes. we'll be happy to take feedback or questions or anything any topic you guys want us to talk about feel free to drop that in we'd love to have some some uh, some questions to answer but uh, otherwise fresh heat. yeah fresh heat uh, so I'm not asking about your favorite layup packages um, <laughs> I like that question I do I, I like I, I do like that question just because it's something that people don't think about though um, but yeah uh, thanks for watching guys and we'll see you guys next time the B.O.B. beat <laughs>